You're listening to episode 219 of the Mad Chatters podcast, April 17th, 2019. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney universe. My name is Derek, and I'm joined today by my co-host and fellow chatter, Jeremy. You know, let's just start the revolution. Okay. And you can interpret that however you want. All right. Well, it begins with this week's show. Uh, It's once again time for another episode. So that's what we're here to do is to record another episode. However, (laughs) is that what we're here for? (laughs) Yeah, we do this every once in a while. Uh, but we have a fun show actually planned for next week. Uh, so this week's episode will be kind of a shorter show. We're just here to tide you over until next week's show. And oh, since we're doing that, we thought this would be a great time to bring you just some of the smaller updates we have from the parks. Uh, maybe a couple of smaller dining reviews. And then call it a day. Call it a day. Uh, so we are going to kick off this episode with a round of the Disney Fix. You know, the last time we said we were going to do a quote-unquote mini-episode, it ended up being like an hour and a half long, and I got at least three tweets about it, so we'll see what happens with this one. (laughs) Same. I got the same. Uh, We didn't think that through well. We thought this one through well. So stick with us. Uh, So the Disney Fix is a segment where we each bring a few miscellaneous news items to the table. So, Jeremy, do you want to go first? Absolutely. You know, Derek, did you notice I'm wearing my my robe, my judge's robe? Mm. And I got my gavel here. I'm banging it hard. Okay. The gavel works because I thought you were about to go to Hogwarts or something. But the gavel brings it all together. That's true. But I'm also wearing my Judge Judy um, lace collar so that should have been the hint that i'm uh, i'm the i'm the supreme court justice jeremy tonight because i have some disney lawsuits to share with you so these have been over the last couple of uh, months i kind of stow them away in my secret place but this one's from the orlando <laughs> orlando sentinel and uh headline reads this rat bites man in disney's magic kingdom hmm was it Rizzo? <laughs> Good question. Um, so this is from March the 26th of 2018. Oh, 2018. This is old. I did not realize <laughs> that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> I didn't We're realize always that. on top of things here on the Mad Chatters podcast. That's right. So a couple is suing Walt Disney Parks and Resorts saying a, a rat bit a man when he grabbed it off his wife's wheelchair, according to court documents. Galen Hadelman, then 59, and his wife, Carol, I couldn't I, sh- I should have known her name would be Carol, uh, who rode in a wheelchair. They were exiting Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin in Tomorrowland when a large rat ran into the merchandise store near the ride, according to the lawsuit filed in Orange County Circuit Court. Somebody yelled rat and kicked the animal, the lawsuit said, and the animal jumped onto the wheelchair of Carol 
yeah, jumped onto the wheel of Carol's wheelchair. This is, and I quote, just as the rat was about to bite into Carol's arm, Galen grabbed the rat and yanked it off the chair. As he did so, the rat bit into one of Galen's fingers. Galen had to twist the rat's neck, and the rat fell to the floor where someone threw an empty plastic container over it. A Disney employee hurried over, urging visitors not to photograph the animal, <laughs> and took the rat away. Uh, Disney violated its duty to keep its parks clean and safe by allowing conditions to get to the point where rats were inhabiting the park and were even bold enough to come out openly among people, said the lawsuit. The couple are suing for more than $15,000 after Galen Haldeman attributed ensuing medical expenses, physical handicap, disfigurement, mental anguish, mental anguish, and other problems to the incident. Um, the attorneys for both sides were not available for comment. So, Derek, your thoughts? Wow. Sir, would you like to offer any evidence for Exhibit A? Well, no, because the cast member told us we couldn't take any pictures. Don't have any proof. That's my thing. Like, there, there is really not a place in the parks that is not on some kind of closed-circuit television. So if this whole fiasco is happening, especially in a shop, I feel like there's going to be some documented proof of it somewhere. Right. I also love the line just before he was about to bite Carol. It's like, you don't know what that rat was about to do. <laughs> That's right. Listen, that rat paid just as much as you to get into that park to have a fun day with his family. Leave him alone. Leave Brittany alone. Uh, yeah, this is just kind of crazy. I don't believe a word of it, but I thought it was funny. And uh, I mean, even if it's all true, it seems like they're okay. <laughs> like, yeah, they made it out okay. Yeah, I kind of want it to be true. <laughs> Truth, like I would love to be in the Magic Kingdom to see this. Um, anyways, all right. So I got one more lawsuit here for you. Um, this one is over an incident that happened on a very dangerous attraction at the Magic Kingdom, uh, in which two people were hurt in a collision. Um, do you know what what attraction I'm talking about? I mean, I am sensing some sarcasm, so I'm going to guess Country Bear Jamboree. Good guess. Close. Uh, the People Mover. <laughs> um, hey, now. So There have been fatalities on the People Mover. Well, this is not a fatality. Spoiler. But with a maximum speed of seven miles per hour, <laughs> the Tomorrowland Transit Authority in the Magic Kingdom is quite possibly the slowest ride in all of Walt Disney World. But for two sets of guests, allegedly alleged issues with ride vehicles crashing into each other have caused injuries according to a lawsuit. So the Orlando Sentinel reported earlier today that a family from New Jersey had their ride vehicle come to a complete abrupt stop in the dark Space Mountain portion of the ride. After the cart containing the Trigado family, whatever their last name is, mm -hmm. after it came to a complete stop, it was struck from behind by a trailing cart, the lawsuit said, which called the people mover quote, dangerous and a concealed trap. Oh, my. <laughs> According to the family's attorney, the force of the impact didn't fling them out of their vehicle, but it still caused serious injuries, which ultimately led to two orthopedic surgeries 
that cost more than $175,000 in medical bills. The family's trip to Walt Disney World took place in June of 2015. So this is a few years old, apparently, but the lawsuit is just now coming to fruition. Uh, another guest was there on a girl's trip back in February of 2017 and suffered injuries on the attraction caused by another ride vehicle collision. They said, quote, the vehicle had just begun and then unexpectedly stopped about 100 yards from the station, um, said the attorney. The next tram slammed into their cart, according to court documents. Uh, the collision caused injury to her neck and shoulder, eventually requiring surgery to fix problems from a herniated disc in her neck. Um, apparently, this isn't the first time ride vehicle collisions led to serious injuries. As another incident, a pair of sisters from South Florida were riding with two children. They sued in 2017, saying they were seriously injured when carts crashed on January 31st, 2015. And this closed the, the case was closed in July for an undisclosed settlement. So it looks like the people mover ain't your granddaddy's ride. <laughs> I mean, that happens? I thought there would just surely be... You, you know, um, what's what's the word I'm like thinking safety of? Safety things yeah. built in that would prevent that from happening. You know, our when we just rode it last week, our car stopped. Unfortunately, the car behind us did not keep going. Uh, and, wow. Okay. Demented. But no, for real. Like, remember, you and I were riding it. But you said, unfortunately, it didn't stop behind us. I think you meant fortunately. It I did. said, and fortunately. Oh, I thought I heard unfortunately. Sorry. Although. If I did say it, I did not mean to say that. We were just talking before the show about a, some financial troubles I'm having. And uh, maybe I need a good injury on Disney property. I shouldn't say these things on, on the no, podcast. No, probably not. <laughs> um, but, oh my goodness, $175,000 because a car ran into yours like it's not even direct impact unless you're sitting in the very back vehicle well i mean again these are just you know headlines from from articles we don't know the extensive injuries but as a medical professional i can tell you particularly when it comes to the spine it doesn't take a lot to really cause some long-term damage so i could see how if you were not prepared for an impact even a minor impact it could cause some damage but again, I just think it's funny how it's the people mover. Like if I had to, you know, survey people and be like, what do you think the most dangerous ride in all of Magic Kingdom is? I doubt people mover is going to be top 10. Right. It sounds like they need to get to work on making sure all vehicles stop when one stops. Yeah. Or we're going to be strapped in with like harnesses, like over the shoulder things. <laughs> right. Or we need like, or they need like big inflatable bumpers around all the cars. Yeah. So just be careful out there, kids. Right. It's a dangerous, dangerous kingdom. That's right. All right. Court adjourned. Court adjourned. I cannot talk. I am. <laughs> okay. Well, now the court has been adjourned. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about a few things that are new to me or newsworthy, but you can weigh in on all of these because um, they apply to you as well. So two refer to new things I experienced at the parks when I was there last week. The first, Haunted Mansion now has on-ride photo paths. Uh, they, keep, they keep announcing proudly that it is the 13th attraction in surely Magic Kingdom, not all of Walt Disney World, right? 
For on-ride photo pass? Yeah, I think they're saying it's the 13th in Magic Kingdom. Where would the other ones be? Space Mountain, Buzz Lightyear, that's two. Pirates is three. Splash is four. Oh. Maybe you're right. So I guess it's 13th in all of Walt Disney World. I just feel like there are more than that, but that's crazy. I mean, not really. I, I would guess about 13. Okay, well, there you go. I mean, and about half of those don't need it. Ugh. So speaking of, Haunted Mansion now has PhotoPass. I will say the quality of the photo turned out good. The frame is excellent. The frame is great. Like, getting the photo is great. But the thing is, I mean, think about the last time you rode Haunted Mansion. Was there one single moment where you were making a photo-worthy expression on your face? I mean, you're not going to raise your hands. There's nothing that's going to jump out and scare you or make you laugh like you kind of just have a vacant expression on your face the whole time now i'm going to spoil this for listeners who have not ridden it with the photo pass yet i'm about to tell where it is so if you don't want to know fast forward a little bit but when you just start out on the traction literally seconds after they give the whole spiel about no flash photography because the spirits are very sensitive to bright lights then you get to the, the, the hallway with the portraits where there's like the pretty girl and then the lightning flashes and the portrait changes so that her hair is snakes. They try to sort of mesh it with the lightning to where it kind of looks like lightning, but it's way brighter than the lightning is. And the entire portrait just turns into a rectangle light. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of the old school, like, Sears Photography Studio uh-huh. flashes. Yep. It's not enough to blind you like on Pirates, but it's noticeable. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. It's definitely better than Pirates, but it's just so unnecessary because you get the picture and you're like, yep, that's the face I was making when I wasn't ready for that picture. Anyway, I just, I, how many more of these are we going to get? every attraction as long as they're selling um so true confessions i wrote it with you you knew where the photo thing was i told you don't tell me i want it to be a surprise fully expecting my face to be awful um because you know pirates is the worst the absolute worst place no one looks good on that because it is the most random, not exciting part of the ride at all. At least put it at the bottom of the drop or something. But it's right, right there where it's just like, oh, and now I have epilepsy. Um, so I'm like, don't tell me where it's at. And I tried to guess where it was. And my first thought was maybe it's by Madame Leota. And as you're passing by her, you know, when she puts the spell or whatever, you get the flash. And then I thought maybe it's the bride, like kind of like right as you're about to go out the window had no clue it would be right there at the beginning. That being said, I look terrific. <laughs> <laughs> you were all smiles. I mean, like, I don't know how that worked out. I had no idea it was coming. Um, and I guess it works out for most people. Yeah, maybe so. And, and it's a good quality photo because, you know, Buzz, those photos are always so grainy. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's good. I just, but, but to its credit, I think after it happened, you said, was that it? And I said, yeah. And you said, oh, it really was. So even you weren't like totally convinced that that bright flash was the camera. 
Yeah, I didn't pick my nose the entire attraction, just in case. <laughs> just in case, that's right. Um, yeah, but then I thought, you know, why don't they? Why don't they do like the moving pictures, like they do at um, Tower of Terror, where like you get the video of you when you drop in slow motion? Why don't they do that with your little ghosts at the end, with that are like switching your head or oh, you know, yeah. you know that kind of stuff? That would be way more fun than that picture. Right. Maybe one day. Maybe that's coming. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, so besides that, another new thing we both tried is something we talked about like 10 episodes or so ago when we did all our episode about the unsung heroes of Walt Disney World. And we talked about some things that no one really talks about. And one of those things is that Port Orleans French Quarter. And it is a band that plays live, I think like four nights a week, starting at 830. And the website describes them as live music at Scat Cat's Club, which is this sort of lounge right by the quick service food court. It says, enjoy a cocktail and some New Orleans-style live jazz and pop music with a, with a southern twist. Okay, live jazz music. I'm picturing a saxophone, a trumpet, maybe an upright bass, you know, like... Dum, 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 dum. A piano. <laughs> uh, but what was it? It was a mandolin, an electric mandolin. And a guitar? Yeah. And not even near what I would consider jazz. It, it was straight up bluegrass. Yeah. And first off, not, e not even in the lounge. Like, in the lounge is a very uh, subjective place, apparently. Because this is more like in the lobby... Facing the lounge. Facing the lounge. That's true. That's true. The stage is technically part of the lounge, but you're right. It feels like the lobby. Second thing, we brought the demographic of the audience down by about 20 years because everybody there was over 65. Yeah, that's true. And then once they started playing, I was like, oh, I get it. Now I get it. But it wasn't even like they played like new orleans songs like no. they weren't they weren't doing like bluegrass versions of like down in new orleans you know from princess and the frog they were singing like ed sheeran <laughs> like it was so weird it, it nothing against them like not to take away from their talents because they played their two instruments very well and i thought they had pretty good voices too it is just not at all what i expected from a place called scat cats club yeah, there was no scatting. No, give me everybody wants to be a cat. Exactly. Um, yeah, this is worth skipping unless you're super into this. Um, but you could go down to any major downtown area around any bar and nightclub and hear the same kind of music being played on the sidewalk. It's so true. It reminded me of so many of the live acts I hear in Nashville, you know, walking around downtown. So, yeah, so this was kind of a dud. It was it was interesting. Uh, but we were, like, ten of us showed up. This is going to be awesome. I've never done this before. Well, you know, we, we all showed up, and, and I had a good time just hanging out and chatting with everybody. But uh, in terms of, like, ooh, I'm into this music, I, I lost interest about ten seconds. And once it kind of became clear what it was going to be, it was like, eh, all right, this exists. Yeah. So stick to trivia nights at Riverside as opposed to live music at French Quarter. Although the website makes it sound like different bands appear. It's not always that duo. So maybe the next night some jazz band came. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, uh, I hope so. 
Yeah, so the last thing I wanted to talk about was a big piece of news that they announced while I was in Florida, and that is uh, all about Disney+. Plus. They dropped a whole lot of information on us all at once about Disney+. Plus. Uh, just some highlights here. It's going to launch November 12th of this year. It's going to be $7 a month or $70 if you go ahead and pay for the whole year. It's going to feature 25 original series. Uh, some about Marvel, some about Star Wars, some just completely original, some are reality shows. One is a, uh, a documentary series about Imagineering. Uh, 7,000 episodes of other shows, including Malcolm in the Middle and The Simpsons. And then a lot of the uh, big Disney films. So like all the main Walt Disney Animation Studios films, it sounds like, will be on there. So yeah, any big surprises for you as you read all this? You know, I, I was just more surprised at how much information we were actually getting. Um, I expected a very generic, like, oh, some original series from your favorite worlds of Marvel, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but then they just kept giving us detail after detail, and I just kept getting more and more excited. This this is going to be a game changer. Um, it's almost overwhelming. It I, really is. Because every every series they announced about Star Wars and Marvel, I was like, well, I want to watch those. But I already have a billion TV shows to juggle. I mean, right now, I don't really watch anything on everyday TV. The only thing I'm really kind of keeping up with is Survivor. And I'll watch The Amazing Race because I love those shows. And I watch those through the app. I don't even have cable. Um, everything else I watch is on Hulu or Netflix. Even Hulu, I don't use as much and i'm wondering if i might just cancel hulu when i when and, and just have netflix and disney but this disney positive is going to be amazing and just the just the the possibilities of being able to reach so deep into the vault and pull out some of these deep cuts i tweeted a couple things that i hope is going to be on on the app eventually and even if they're not there from day one the fact that there's potential there that they could just randomly throw it on there really excites me and such a good price point yeah i'm not surprised by this but I, I i did notice how almost all of the announcements were about new series they're pushing and new original films and whereas when they first announced disney streaming service everybody was like oh my gosh all those old tv shows i love they're gonna be on there oh there's that one movie that they produced that i bet is gonna be on there and disney's like no no, no we're pushing our new stuff we don't care about all the old vault stuff well, that that's true. I'm, I mean, I'm sure that stuff's going to be on. Maybe not all at once in like a big chunk like what people were assuming. But I think over time, it certainly will be. And I'm sure there's going to be a big chunk from the beginning. But that's not what's going to sell and get people excited. I mean, it's going to get me excited. But the general public's not going to care that Adventures in Wonderland's going to be on there. Um, you know, but they are going to be excited that, hey, there's a new Hawkeye series or whatever. Sure, so. sure. And you can only get it here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that the pizzazz keeps them going, but they, you know, treat the fanboys to a little something, a little something, something. Listen, all I want is bug juice on there. I just want to watch uh, that show again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we will find out. Oh, and how about how about that bizarre Simpson thing that they put out? Did you see that? I just saw like gifs of it, but I didn't watch the whole thing. Oh, you need to watch it. It is like the Twilight Zone. Like, I never thought I'd see the day where Homer Simpson's like, hello, we're so happy to be a part of the Disney family. I'm like, oh. what? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Weird. It's so weird. Weird. 
All right, well, November 12th, uh, it's just right around the corner. It'll be here before we know it. Before we get into our next segment, Jeremy, I'm going to spring something on you because just today we got an email from a listener that I think is worth discussing. I don't think it'll take that long, but I want to read it for you right here. Okay. Okay. If you will tweet it, then we will read it. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. If you have questions, we'll make suggestions. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. This is from listener Lauren. And she says, Hi, Jeremy and Derek. I have a travel dilemma and would love your wisdom. I booked a family trip to Disney World for Labor Day weekend of this year, August 31st, 1st through September 5th. I read everything I read at the time I booked my trip predicted that Galaxy's Edge would open in the late fall. Then Disney announced that Galaxy's Edge would open on August 29th and Food and Wine is beginning the same day. I'm worried the crowds are going to be insane while we are there. I know there's no way to predict the exact level of insanity, but my question is, if you were me, would you postpone the trip or would you just take the risk and go as planned? I also have free dining for this trip and some reservations that I would hate to give up. And she says, sighs like sadness from inside out. <laughs> Thank you in advance for any insight you can offer, or maybe you can turn it into a game of Disney Would You Rather. Lauren. Okay, so she's booked this trip two days after Galaxy's Edge opens and Food and Wine begins. What would you do? Boy, this is hard because I, there's a lot of things I think that could sway me in either way. First off, is there any fees to changing the reservation? Are they going to charge you to change it? Usually it's fully refundable as long as it's not two weeks before your trip. Okay. And I'm sorry, when did she say that she's considering postponing too? Or is that just kind of TBD? Yeah, she didn't say. Because I hate to break it to you, but I don't think that the crowds are going to clear up for a while. Um, food and wine is a thing and it's very popular, more so on the weekends. So I feel like if you do Epcot during the week and if you just avoid Epcot on the weekends, you're going to be cool. But Hollywood Studios is going to be chaotic from end of August till probably the next year. I agree. That was my first thought, too. As long as you're not at Food and Wine on opening day, which you won't, they're missing opening day, and as long as they schedule it for one of the weekdays, that's not an issue at all. Totally. Yeah, do, do Epcot Monday, Tuesday... It it might be people there, but it's not going to be the locals that are there. The locals come out on the weekends. Well, probably not Monday because this is Labor Day weekend. So oh, Labor yeah. Day Don't weekend, do, yeah. yeah, Labor Day weekend. I mean, surely you knew when booking this that Labor Day weekend was already just going to be crowded because it's Labor Day weekend. Um, Galaxy's Edge is going to be crazy for a long time. I say, you know, they're going to probably send an email to people staying on site saying, "Hey, Galaxy's Edge opens this day." Here's a way you can gar be guaranteed to get in. You know, we haven't heard specifics yet, but I'm guessing there's going to be some sort of reservation system, which means good for you. You're going to experience it before almost anyone else in the world. 
Yeah, yeah. If you want to embrace the madness and just kind of make that a part of your trip. And here's the thing. It's going to be a cool story, you know, 20 years from now that you're going to be there opening day. Think about how cool it would be to tell your, you know, kids or whatever, like you were at the opening of the Magic Kingdom on, uh, you know, October 1st, 1971, or the opening of Epcot, you know, in, in 82. Like, I really feel like that's going to be the level that we're going to tell people, oh, man, I was there for Galaxy's Edge opening. Like, it's it's going to be a cool story if you're willing to make that a part of your vacation. If not, I also feel like it, it'll be easy to, to kind of get around. Avoid Epcot the weekend. You know, go do that on Tuesday, Wednesday. Do Magic Kingdom or Animal Kingdom the other days. You may just have to write off Hollywood Studios altogether that trip. But I've been doing that for the last five years, so it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come on. You got free dining. Don't give that up. Yeah, I wouldn't give up the free dining. We're, we're not big on the dining plan on this show anymore. Uh, if you've listened from episode one, our, our opinions have greatly evolved on that. But the fact that it's free dining, I am all for. So don't give that up. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we're in agreement. Still keep it. Don't stress about it. If you can get into Galaxy's Edge, great. If not, it'll be their next trip. Up next, we're bringing back a segment we haven't done in a while called Behind the Magic. And this week, we are going to take a deeper look at one of our favorite places in Walt Disney World, Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Behind the Magic. Animal Kingdom Lodge opened to the public on April 16th, 2001. So this month, we're, I guess, celebrating its 18th anniversary. It was the most recent deluxe resort to open. I mean, some villas have opened since, or like the Bay Lake Tower, but this is the last full, you know, from start, from scratch, deluxe resort to open in Walt Disney World. And they opened it adjacent to Disney's Animal Kingdom, which is why it's called the Animal Kingdom Lodge. It's kind of themed to South Africa, um, the southern region of Africa, not the country South Africa. Uh, I assumed Joe Rohde was heavily involved in this. But it was designed by Peter Dominic, who also designed the Grand Californian Resort and the Wilderness Lodge in Walt Disney World. The Ub Iwerks to Joe Rohde. Ah, <laughs> it's all coming together, yeah. Yeah, I, this guy, I didn't realize that he designed Wilderness Lodge and Grand Californian. Like, that's a pretty impressive resume. I also didn't realize that Animal Kingdom Lodge didn't open at the same time as Animal Kingdom. I just kind of assumed they were the yin to each other's yang. Right. Um, in my mind, this is how the meetings went. Animal Kingdom opened in 98. It was doing well. And then they realized, wow, Animal Kingdom is way out there on its own. You know, when you look at the map of Walt Disney World, it's kind of set apart from everything. So they're like, well, let's put at least one resort that is next door to it you know yeah and that's what they did people like animals people like giraffes they want to wake up and see a giraffe that's right so <laughs> speaking of animals and animal kingdom not only are you close to the park with animals that but they put animals in your backyard uh i think some of the savannas opened later on with the dvc additions 
But now, currently, there are three different savannas. Each savanna is about 10 acres. And you can see animals like wildebeest and zebra and giraffes and kudu and water bucks. And you don't even have to be staying there. Yeah, it's really kind of cool. Like, you... There's just something about seeing animals like that that automatically turn you into a child. And you can't help but just point at them and yell when you see them. We were having dinner there the other day, and uh, we just made a conversation. You know, we're talking about something. Zebra! Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you just do that kind of a thing. It's just natural. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about this lodge a lot in um, the episodes we've recorded. But what is it about Animal Kingdom Lodge that you love and why you tell other people to visit well, I mean, to me, as I've said, I love Animal Kingdom, the theme park. And so this is just a natural companion to it. And maybe it's just because I'm from Missouri and I don't get out much and I've never actually been to Africa. But there's just something so alluring to that uh, African architecture and the music and the design. And again, just the exoticness of seeing these animals that are not native or you've only ever seen them like in a zoo or on television. And here they are in a more spacious pen. Um, for instance, you know, I grew up in St. Louis. St. Louis Zoo is wonderful. They have a zebra enclosure, but it's not the biggest area. Um, but when you see them, particularly at Animal Kingdom Lodge, I mean, it's a pretty big space that they're allowed to roam. So you get the feeling that they're very in their natural element. Mm hmm. It always feels so peaceful, like just walking into that lobby. There's always kind of a hush and a relaxed vibe to it that I love. Yes, and and even when you go out on onto where the animals are, every, everybody's just kind of talking like this yes. because we don't want to spook the animals. <laughs> and they play, they still play the African style music out there with like the the drums and stuff, but it's all very hushed and somber and respectful. Oh. Yeah, so I think what some people don't know, in fact, uh, um, I think, sorry to shout out my sister in this way, but they went here to dine, and I don't think they realized that anyone, whether you're staying there or not, can just walk straight out the back doors of the lobby, and the animals are right there, 24-7. Uh, so you are completely allowed to walk through those double doors at the back of the lobby, step outside, look at the giraffes, look at the zebras, or zebras, as they will tell you they are pronounced, uh, and it's totally free. Go go take advantage. Definitely. Yeah. And this a great lounge, as we've talked about before, Victoria Falls Lounge there. A great place to relax. Yeah. Let's talk about the dining. Um, so some of my f absolute favorite restaurants on property are here. They have the quick service, which is the Mara, a delicious uh, sort of food court-esque type place, you know, with a few different food stations. They've got Sanaa, where we just dined at last week must get the bread service if you ever go. Uh, they've got Jico, which is one of the few signature dining experiences on property. And then sort of in between, they've got the buffet of African-style foods called Boma. And other than Jico, which I've never been to, I can say that the other three are absolutely worth going out of your way to eat at. Agreed. I love Boma. Uh, it's a buffet, so if you're not into buffets, this is probably not for you. But Sanaa is divine. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm craving it right now. I know. My mouth is watering Gosh. a little bit. <laughs> that bread service. Oh, man. 
Um, also, I, I, I just love the, the style of this resort. Like, I didn't really realize this until I was reading about it today, but it's a big resort. Like, it's very expansive because you've got Jumbo House, which is the main building. And back in 2009, they opened up the DVC section, which is called Kadani Village, basically a whole second half. But when you pull up, what you see when you're, you know, showing your ID at the front gate, you just see thatched roofs that look like a small gathering of huts, basically. And you would have no... Like, it looks like an African village. And until you take two or three turns, you don't see that huge main lobby. Yeah, and, and again, you talk about the hushness of this area. Like, you kind of get this feeling you're in the middle of nowhere, even though you're not. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things that I learned about recently was the Jico wine tasting at 3 o'clock every Wednesday for 30 bucks. You can make a reservation to where they give you some cheeses and some wines and they teach you all about them. And you get to have a very intimate setting one-on-one -on -one with your guide, your wine guide. And then I found out today that on Wednesdays and Saturdays, you can book a, a four-course lunch with an animal specialist at Sanaa. And you eat four courses and they answer any questions you have about the animals. Really? Yeah. All these little hidden things at the resorts that you really got to search the website to find. That sounds like an Impractical Jokers uh, sketch gone terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Where they got like the earpiece in. Yeah. Or there's people asking questions and they're like, ah, I just make it up answers. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah so Disney's Animal Kingdom launch. Uh, worth a visit, even if you're not staying there. Uh, definitely worth staying there if you have the money for it, I'd assume. I've never had the money for it. Yeah, unfortunately not. But um, yeah, I, this is this is definitely my top. I will, probably of all the deluxes, this is where I want to stay the most. I think when I look up rooms, this always tends to be the least expensive of the deluxe resorts. Yeah, it, it appears that most of the rooms are available with two queen size beds or one queen size bed and a twin size bunk bed. Um, so they kind of accommodate bigger crowds i guess you could say i've heard that that people like these rooms because they can hold more people okay yeah well and like a third of them have a view of the savannah which is just so cool to wake up every morning step out on your balcony and there's a giraffe <laughs> there he is To wrap up this week's show, we have a few food reviews to share with you. So let's do some eating around the world. All right. So instead of focusing on one restaurant, we're just going to focus on several that we visited over the last couple months. Jeremy, why don't you start? What's a place you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about the most delightful lunch we had the other day, and that was at the Rose and Crown in the UK Pavilion at Epcot. Um, I have dined here. This would be my third time dining, and I think we reviewed this with Matthew because he was the one I was with the last time I was there uh, on a previous show. But it's been some time, and uh, we wanted to review it. I actually had gotten a tip from a cast member that the Rosen Crown had some new vegan options. Uh, excuse me for being obnoxious, but 
I am vegan now, and uh, I'm looking for you know good places to uh, accommodate myself while at Walt Disney World. And somebody told me you got to try the Rose and Crown. They got some really good options. Totally caught me off guard because I would not expect the Rose and Crown to be such a place, but it turns out it is. So Derek and I went there for lunch. Your first time dining there, correct? Yeah, I'd never stepped foot inside. And uh, it's a lovely little thing. Do you like? What was your first impression? You want to say since this um, was your first time? Honestly, it, it was pretty much what I expected. Like I have been to Irish pubs, and I know this is the UK pavilion, uh, but I've been to Irish pubs. You know, we've been to one in New York. We have one in Nashville. I've been to Raglan Road and Disney Springs. I do feel like they all share a similar vibe. You know, like lots of dark woods. Yeah. It, it's um yeah the dark woods is good there is a full bar inside here um as well as there's lots of seating outside we sat inside ironically i told derek we sat at the exact same table that i sat with with my brother gosh probably five years ago now uh when he came down um and then we both ordered now i decided to have the vegetable no that is not it it's the savory vegetable crumble. That's it. I'm, I have an old menu here, apparently. Oh. Yeah, so you talked about, you know, being a vegan and being obnoxious or whatever. I'm not a vegan at all. But I looked at the menu, and I saw bangers and mash, shepherd's pie, fish and chips. Like, I've had all those things many times. And to me, also, the thing that looked the most intriguing was this savory vegetable crumble which happens to be a vegan menu option yes um if you are into vegan things they do have vegan fish and chips here and they also have vegan um bangers and mash uh but yeah we both went for the savory vegetable it had the um soy based bangers included mm -hmm. right yeah it said meatless bangers on the menu meatless bangers and uh <laughs> it also so in it was um i can read it to you if you want please do okay. i'm trying to <laughs> uh the walt disney world websites describes it as seasonal vegetables which was like what zucchini squash squash something maybe, else. maybe one other thing with meatless bangers in a plant-based cream sauce and topped with a savory herb and plant-based cheese crust i described it as a very fancy squash casserole because you have the squash and the zucchini the cream sauce reminded me of like a cream of mushroom soup or a cream of chicken soup and then the herb and plant-based cheese crust was like you know the the savory crumble that goes on top of the casserole and then throw in some bangers as well some sausage yeah it was divine and it was really hot that day so to me, it was very fitting for a nice light lunch that wasn't too heavy. And it just was so refreshing to me that day. I loved it. I really did. Very good. And like Derek said, he's not vegan and he loved it. So yeah. don't let the don't let the vegan title scare you away. And I have heard other people talk about their shepherd's pie and bangers and mash and say they're, you know, if you like those menu items, they make them top notch there. I just was ready to try something new. Yeah. Does it say the name of the drink I had on there as well? I think it was called a Shandy. Does that sound right? Oh, yeah, maybe so. It had Sprite, right? It, yeah, it's half Sprite, half of one of the ales. And I am not a beer and ale person. Um, 
I just don't like the hopsy taste of it. It's just not my not my drink of choice. But let me tell you, you mix that with some Sprite, and woo-wee, it was good. I enjoyed it. They gave you a full glass of that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, it was $9. It better be full. So uh, <laughs> since it wasn't like the full-on beer, it wasn't as heavy to me either, which was a good thing because I always feel like I gained 20 pounds when I drink yeah, something yeah. like that. So. Yeah, so our uh, our fancy casserole was twenty dollars. It did come in a very big ramekin. Like I don't even think I finished mine. Um, but yeah, twenty bucks. They do offer lots of discounts here for certain you know groups of people. Yeah, AP discount. AP discount. Yeah. So there you go, Rosencrantz. And I think the lunch and dinner menu are the same. So you're not going to spend more at dinner than you do at lunch. I recommend. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to take us over to the Gasparilla Island Island Grill in Disney's Grand Floridian. So, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about our favorite quick service restaurants. And on my top 10 list, I put Captain Cook's and Contempo Cafe, which are the quick service restaurants at Polynesian and Contemporary. Well, there's one resort left on the monorail loop, which is the Grand Floridian, and I have not been to that quick service restaurant, so I felt like I needed to cross it off my list. So you met me there one day. Um, it's downstairs right by the arcade, right by um, Grand Floridian Cafe. Not a lot of bells and whistles about it. You know, just some tables set up side by side, and then the counter where you order your food. Um, I don't know if it's as good as the other two, but I gotta say... I really liked what I ordered. I got the hot Italian sandwich. So basically, they, they had a few stations. Um, they had the make-your-own-salad station, where basically you just tell them all the toppings you want. They throw it in a bowl, and then they toss it in front of you. Um, they had some flatbreads that you could order. They had some uh, made-to-order sandwiches and burgers you could order. And then I got this hot Italian sandwich with provolone cheese, pepperoni, salami, smoked ham, banana peppers, marinated roasted tomatoes, and spicy mustard. So in this little deli station, in this little counter, they had all the toppings already laid out. And then I told him what kind of bread I wanted. So he took that stack of toppings out of the counter, got me the bread, and then like handcrafted the sandwich, including the, the mustard. He put it in this little oven they have to where it would get a little toasted the only thing is those other places you order and they bring it to your table but i had to stand there for 10 minutes while he very carefully crafted the sandwich like every single topping by hand he was cutting ham i was like i mean i'm just standing here i couldn't go sit down but having said that loved the sandwich it was ten dollars it came with um some house potato chips and there were several things on the menu that I would go back and try as well. What'd you think? Derek was like, um, sir, at Subway, it goes a lot faster. If you <laughs> right? can speed it up, please. I know. I mean, it was in the oven for like five minutes. <laughs> um, so I discovered at Gasparilla Grill, I'm going to be this guy now. People are going to hate me. It's okay. No, um, I bet some listeners really appreciate this. Maybe. They have a really good vegan menu there, um, which is rare. For a lot of places but they have some good breakfast options as well as lunch and dinner options so i am not a match meat kind of a person um most of them the consistency kind of grosses me out the texture um so i'm very cautious with what kind of fake meats i choose but i went with the vegan chicken sandwich here and i avoided the cheese the vegan cheese um because i'm not a fan 
but you can get this on it. And let me tell you, it was delightful. It had spinach and a raspberry mustard on it, which added just enough sweetness that it really like put it over the edge. Yeah, that sounds good. It was really good. And I will say the chicken, the fake chicken, if you would, um, had the consistency and taste of chicken. So I was very impressed by it. I think I had half my sandwich done by the time you got back with your sandwich. I know. But <laughs> it took so long. I was like, this is why you need pagers so I can go take it back to my table. Definitely. But if you're looking for breakfast there, they have a tofu scramble, which uh, sounds good to me. They also have some avocado toast bacon thing that uh, also looks good to me. But they also then have the vegan burger and a vegan pizza there. So lots of uh, options for the vegs. Yeah, I think the monorail um, deluxe resorts are three for three as far as quick service goes. I don't think you can really go wrong. The cool thing about this place is it is right by the boat dock. So I was at Magic Kingdom that morning and you were coming in from home. So when it was time to eat, I just hopped on the boat at Magic Kingdom. It took me straight to the Grand Floridian. It got off and the, the restaurant was basically right in front of me. So it's a nice little getaway if you want to get away from the, the Magic Kingdom crowds. Yeah, I did not have such luck because I took the monorail there from the TTC. And then once I got to the lobby, I was said, where is the Gasparillo grill or whatever it's called? And they're like, OK, so you're going to want to exit this building and walk. And I was like, oh, man, it's going to be a while. So it, it was not that far. No, no, it's just off the lobby. Yeah. All right. So anything else? Any other restaurants? I thought we had one more. Do we not? Um... I have one more. You weren't here for this, though. Oh, then no. Those uh, are my two, then. I was going to talk about Hollywood Brown Derby real quick. I don't think I That's talked right. about this. You mentioned this. Yeah. I have, I've been to the Brown Derby one time. Yeah. But it was a long time ago. Okay. The atmosphere has not changed. I can tell okay. you that. I can't believe I waited so long to go here. Like, I'm already ready to go back. I love the atmosphere in there so much. It feels like... It feels so old school MGM Studios, but in a timeless way. I could see that. I could see that. I because it has like the cartoony pictures on the wall, uh-huh. like caricatures of celebrities. Now, my question is: Is it still considered like a signature dining? I oh that I don't know. See, people kept telling me for years it's really expensive, and I think it is two points, or at least it was at one time. It was two points on the dining plane because it was signature. But I think in the last couple of years, they have revamped their lunch menu to make it more reasonably priced. So, for instance, let me read you some. Like, there are a few items in the 40 bucks, like the Wagyu beef, of course, or the lobster. Like, that's going to be expensive. But you can get shrimp and grits for $26. Uh, the braised beef short rib is 24 They have pork belly pastrami BLT for 22 uh, this is reasonable. The andouille crusted chicken breast is only 19 And I got our famous Cobb salad. Like, okay. It says our famous in the title. That's what they're known for. I even asked the waiter. I gave him a couple options. And he said, no, you got to get the Cobb salad, which happened to be the cheapest thing on the menu. It's $18. And I was like, okay. I mean, I do love Cobb salads. And if you're known for it, I want to know why. 
Because that's where that's where it was created, right? Exactly. Was, the co- was at uh, the Brown Derby. The real Brown Derby, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's got, you know, lettuce, turkey, bacon, egg, tomatoes, crumbled blue cheese, avocado, chives, and then cop dressing. And I will say it, it was great. Uh, the only thing is, like, with a salad like that, once you mix all the ingredients, every single bite is the same. Yeah. You know, like, it was already mixed when it came to the table, so every bite had that sharp blue cheese taste. And about halfway through, it's like the law of diminishing returns, where it's like, okay, but this is the same. Like, it's the same flavor over and over again. Um, wow, that you be- got really deep on that. The oh. law of diminishing <laughs> returns. Hello, business major. Wow. Um, yeah, so I'm glad I ordered that, because I enjoyed it, and now I can say I tried it. But honestly, I would love to go back and try some of their other, other items, just because I just loved it from start to finish, just being in there. Uh, Dorma Nesmond came by, scooched me over, sat in our booth, and talked to us for about five minutes, so that was a neat experience. And you were there with our good friend Aaron Wallace. Correct. Did he... Did he, what did he order? He ordered the same thing. And you can also add a meat to it if you want. I got chicken. He got shrimp. Okay. Um, he did say he wished he had gotten chicken because the shrimp kind of messed with the vibe of the cob salad. Um, yeah, we both liked it. And like I said, I'm glad the waiter talked me into ordering that. But I'm ready to go back and try like the shrimp and grits or the burger. You know, again, this is years ago that I was there. I had the duck which is not even on the menu anymore. But I had duck. Yeah. I thought thought I was bougie. Uh, no, it is on the dinner menu. Oh, there you go. I had the duck. Duck confit pumpkin ravioli. Oh, see, there was no pumpkin ravioli. This was like oh. a duck with venison, I want to say. Oh, look at you. I know. I was, I was, I was snooty. Now, um, and we ended our meal with their famous grapefruit cake. Okay, and see, I had the grapefruit cake. Let me tell you, hated it. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. It tastes like grapefruit. I mean, they nailed it. And it and was not in a good way. Well, and it was so moist, like it was baked exactly like a cake should be. And yet it was, um, like the icing was as icing should be. Uh, like, they did nothing wrong. It's just, grapefruit is very bitter, uh huh. And when I want cake, I want something sweet. Yeah, it definitely is makes you pucker. Um, yeah, and I, we couldn't eat the whole slice. Like, how do you eat a whole slice of that? I ordered it because the Brown Derby is famous for that, like Cobb salad and grapefruit cake. Like that is Brown Derby history. And uh, as the story goes, you know, they created that because some actress in Hollywood was on a grapefruit diet. And she was only eating things with grapefruit. And they were like, oh, well, it's got grapefruit and it. it's part of your diet. Boom. Come back and visit us. Uh, so I'm like, I love this. I love the history. I love the antidote. Let's try it. Two bites in. I was like, "Woo! should have rethought this because that is just not good. And then I look back and my mother doesn't listen. So it's OK. But she used to eat a grapefruit just like for a snack. Mm-mm. That Those people are serial killers. Do not trust them. <laughs> Um, so my favorite thing about this place was sitting inside because I loved the vibe. But several people have told me if you're there for the food, a great tip is to eat at the lounge. They have the lounge that kind of wraps around the outside. Like when you're walking by, you can see what I'm talking about. All the tables that are outside, the bar is out there, and it's called the Hollywood Brown Derby Lounge. And you can order most of these items out there. Uh, And sometimes it's at a cheaper price because it'll be like a bit of a smaller sample. 
So that's a good tip if you don't care about, you know, making a reservation weeks in advance or you just want to pop by and get the cop salad or you just want to try the grapefruit cake. You could probably get it to go even if you wanted to see what all the hype is about. Yeah, but why? I, yeah, um, don't, but, but don't do it. <laughs> if you had to pick a table service restaurant at Hollywood Studios, is this your go to or are you going somewhere else? Ooh, that's tough. You know what? This park kind of has a lot of charming options. Because they got what? Hollywood and Vine? Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that one. It's got 50s prime time, though. Um, Sci-fi dining. Is that considered table service? Okay. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. Yeah. Mama um, Melrose's, which we've been very clear about how we feel on this show. Can I can I tell you something? I, I, I don't want to say their names, but I have some acquaintances that um, were recently celebrating an anniversary and uh, their one year anniversary. And they were telling me their plans for the evening. Oh, we're going to go do this. And then we're going to be end up at Hollywood Studios and we're having dinner at Hollywood Studios followed by Fantasmic. And I'm like, wow, that sounds wonderful. Where are you going to eat? And they told me Mama Melrose. And I was like, oh, interesting choice i don't know if that has some kind of like special significance to their relationship i sure hope so because <laughs> it was an odd choice to me i know and see so many people have told me since we've bashed it on this show like oh you need to give it another try i really like it and i keep wanting to but then just this week tom and sarah bricker you know friends of the show who do uh they uh, put out the disney tourist blog which i love like i'm all over that website just this week they put out a review and they were not very kind to it and i felt so vindicated i was like i told you <laughs> it's not good you guys i mean i'm convinced that probably abc commissary and pizza rizzo share a kitchen with mel mama melrose i like guess probably all the same yeah. So to answer your question, I actually think I would go back to Hollywood Brown Derby for a second time before I went back to any of the others I've tried. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I would probably think 50s prime time is probably my go-to, even though it's been a while since I've been there and my diet has changed since I've been there. Maybe there's really not a lot of options for me anymore. But uh, boy, every now and then I think about that fried chicken at 50s prime time and I get a little mouth watering. Yeah, the last time I went, like, I, I still love to go just because of the atmosphere. The last time I went, my meatloaf actually was kind of dry, which was a shame. Um, but it, Just it's like Grandma cheaper. made it. <laughs> that's true. That is true. I mean, not my grandma, but if that's the vibe they're going for, that's funny. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's what we've tried. And, we, I, you know, I went to a lot of restaurants I've been to a billion, a billion times before, so no need to review those again. Yeah, you know what's funny is like there's still so many places to go and try, but we've really covered a lot of ground <laughs> in our in our ten years of Disney dwelling. Yeah, that's true. Have you been the Chicken Guy yet? On ironically, I was there last night. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I knew that because I went there during this trip, and I still genuinely like that place a lot. Listen, the fries were delicious. Yeah, I just couldn't get over the fact that it's Guy Fieri. I that just. I don't know. Something about that just makes me feel gross. But uh, other than that, it's pretty good. The fries were good. Um, I went to Enzo in... Oh, Enzo's Hideaway? Yes. And it has like the second story. Like you go downstairs. Yeah. And there's a lounge down there. And you can... Well, I'm sorry. There's a bar. So like the whole thing is... It's not like a restaurant feel. It's just like a 
appetizers menu and then you they have a few like entrees but they're not like serious entrees i ate there uh, a couple weeks ago really good recommend it if you're looking for something very casual just chill plus the atmosphere is wonderful i recommend there man i recommend about 90 percent of the places in disney springs nowadays yeah oh and since i brought up wine board wine bar george I tried the rosé all day cookie, which uh, Aaron Wallace recommended. Divine. Yeah. I think you talked about it because you got two, right? I did, yeah. Yeah. Don't make the mistake I did and get two. Only limit yourself to one. You will regret it halfway through the second one. But it's good. Okay, cool. Well, now, like you said, now that we've been to almost all the restaurants that we keep now doubling up on the places we've been to, I want to hear from some listeners. Like, what are some places we have not reviewed and have not even mentioned that we need to try because you love them so much. I'm curious. Yeah, we we love recommendations and and we'd love to eat. So. Yeah, I mean, I think every single time I've been on a trip, I've tried at least one new place. Well, we didn't mention that we tried Sanaa again this trip as well. True, for me, it had been 10 years. Yeah, and Derek got the bread service for the first time. True, loved every single spread. <laughs> And what did you order? What was your meal? Oh, what did I get? Because he talked me into it. Oh, it was like that African sausage. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on non bread. And then I forget what the garnish was, but it was good. I kind of wish I'd ordered something else, uh, but I liked it. Yeah. And uh, shout out to our waiter who gave us complimentary champagne while we were there. That's right. Our waiter who you guys said looked like Bobby <laughs> from Queer Eye. And I think you're crazy. <laughs> I I still stand by that. So thank you, Bobby. (laughs) Could not tell you his real name. Nope. (laughs) All right. So there you go. That's our uh, mini episode ran about an hour. That's okay. We'll be back next week with an even longer episode. So uh, come back for that until then. Have a great week. Hey, take a little time to find the magic in every day.